Welcome to the Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit with your host, Marina Rose, QDNA. From the smallest cellular structure to the broadest life experiences, every thought, every belief, and every action has the power to transform every aspect of our lives because reality at its core is made manifest through consciousness and its direct connection to the quantum field. It's time to remove the self-imposed boundaries created by your reality and discover practical, everyday tools to transform your life. Now, here is your host, Marina Rose, QDNA. Welcome to Quantum Connection Radio Show. I'm your host, Marina Rose, QDNA, and I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. You have now entered the quantum field of quantum connection, the intracellular holographic matrix where we make the impossible possible using QDNA, quantum DNA acceleration, which combines the cutting-edge science in epigenetics, neuroplasticity, DNA programming, and quantum field theory to assist you to achieve quantum growth in health, life, and business. During this show, we explore health, science, and spirit to accelerate your path to extraordinary living with some of the world's most influential thought leaders sharing their insights on how to optimize your health and well-being. Today, our topic is The Bond, How to Fix Your Falling Down World with Live Biological Transformations, DNA Programming in the Field While in the Bond. And our guest is the living legend, Lynn McTaggart, and she's been known as a rock star of the metaphysical world, the Madonna of the quantum world, the Malcolm Gladwell of new science, and she's also been known as the Dalai Mama. Welcome, Lynn, and thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be on my show, and I would like to tell the audience a little bit about you. This is what I do know about you. You are an unwavering paradigm shifter. You are driven from your heart. You are one of the central, big, huge voices in the new consciousness movement, bridging science, health, and spirituality and uniting them as one. You are a major influencer of the world that comes from a place of love and compassion to let people know there is no separation between you and your environment. You have informed everyone that there is a bond that connects science, health, and spirituality all together while that same bond connects us all continuously 24-7. You are an award-winning investigative journalist who avidly and exhaustively researches science-based discoveries in the worlds of science, spirituality, and health to assist people in advancing their health and their lives. You are an award-winning international bestseller. Four of these books are now available in 30 languages, The Field, Intention Experiment, What Doctors Don't Tell You, and The Bond. Both you and your husband, Brian Hubbard, are the founders of What Doctors Don't Tell You. You created What Doctors Don't Tell You because you suffered from a mysterious illness for about five years, and you tried everything, conventional medicine, alternative medicine, and other strange treatments to heal you. 
you encountered some treatments that either didn't work or were dangerous. What Doctors Don't Tell You does in-depth research and the hard-won information of quality has and does continue to help people change their lives for the better. Your research has been cited in law courts. It's been used to encourage doctors to change their treatments in order to get people well and healthy as opposed to just making money without the healing. You are the architect of the intention experiment, the largest mind over matter experiments in history. The book Intention Experiments and the web-based experiments have been prominently featured in Dan Brown's book, The Lost Symbol, and you in part inspired one of its characters. I wonder which one. You were featured and seen by millions in the documentaries, What the Bleep, Down the Rabbit Hole, The Living Matrix, and I Am. You're an accomplished broadcaster, having appeared on many national TV, international TV shows and radio shows, including Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra shows. You are a member of the Transformational Leadership Council and the Evolu- Evolutionary Leadership Council. You are an international inspirational speaker and you hold lectures and workshops around the world. You are one of the world's top 100 spiritual influential people. Today's show is about your book, The Bond, How to Fix a Falling Down World with Live Biological Transformations, DNA Programming in the Field. So that's what we're going to talk about. However, before we get started, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience about yourself? Gosh, Marina, I guess I can just go home now after all of that. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much. Um, I think the one thing you didn't mention is I am a long married person and uh, with two children, two grown children, one 25, 26 and one 18. And today, as it happens, is my 25th anniversary. Wow. This so I've been with the same man for 30 years, married to him 25 today. Congratulations, my love. That is awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Very Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That is wonderful. That means so much. <laughs> right. I invited you as my guest because I feel and I know, like millions of people out there, that you are such a brilliant, fierce woman. You champion the freedom of all of humanity in the most fundamental way by unapologetically transmitting factual, scientific, medical, spiritual truths with unsurpassed generosity. You give people information to make the right choices to live their lives on their own terms if they choose to, and I absolutely adore and appreciate that. I love that you were bringing up the old ancient Buddhist saying there is no separation between you and you and your environment and that is a reflection of you and in the bond it seems to me that is a roadmap and how to change your life and stop feeling separate from everyone and your environment and so much more would you care to elaborate on this for our audience well what we've discovered when you you know we we really live by the uh, stories we're told. And human beings make sense of the world through stories. One of the greatest stories we've told ourselves is our scientific story. We think of this as a kind of finite truth, but it is actually a story told in chapters. And every so often a new chapter comes along that 
rewrites the chapter that, that was before. And the latest chapter that we understand is that we are not one of these uh, a separate objects that operates according to fixed laws in time and space. That is the view of the world that was given to us by Isaac Newton, mm-hmm. who described this you know, very well-behaved universe. But we now realize that we're something far messier. We are, at our subatomic level, a relationship. And by that I mean between the subatomic particles uh, of our beings, and even now in other things, between ourselves and our environment, between ourselves and everyone else we meet, and even our societal structures, there's a bond. And by bond, what I'm really talking about is a connection so integral and profound that it's impossible to say where one thing ends and another thing begins. So life is not about the thing, the separate thing. Life is fundamentally about relationship. You are correct, and I agree with you 100%. Thank you. The one thing that started your quest, and it was the impetus that gave birth to this book, The Bond, was the casual, disposable way that people were using competition and how it affected you personally with your family, and then you were able to observe, observe it on a macro level and witness the ripple effect it has on society. And unfortunately, we've seen the devastation that competition has created, We've seen how our society, instead of wanting to connect, wants to disconnect. We have seen human beings being reduced to just a number or something like that. So the human connection is obliterated to make space for separation for the winner takes all or whatever it is that the disconnector would like to accomplish. Enlighten our audience with your perspective on this matter. Um. Well, first of all, that story you're talking about had to do with one of my daughters. I know. Um, When she was in school, she was one of the most talented of her her, uh, year's actresses. And she was given the lead role in one of her school plays. And all of a sudden, I discovered that she was shunted to a more minor role. And I could never find out the reason for it until one of her friends let slip that when a new director came on board, another girl had lied in order to take over the role given to my daughter. And that girl was, by the way, my daughter's best friend. Hmm. And I was so astonished by this that I tried to tactfully bring it up with the girl's mother. And when she heard about it, she just turned to me and shrugged her shoulders and said, well, that's life. And that just shocked me so much until I started thinking about it. And I thought to myself, yeah, she's right. That is life. That's the life we adults have created for ourselves. Because fundamentally, competition is at the root of every aspect of our lives. And so that got me thinking, you know, was it supposed to be like this? Were we meant to be this competitive? And the resounding answer after I looked through physics, the new physics and psychology and biology and anthropology and essentially all the ologies was no, we were never meant to be like this. We were always meant to be part of a bigger whole. We were always meant to be connected. Wonderful, wonderful, yes. So I want to get your perspective on this. The information age, computer age, digital age, and new media age is fantastic, and I do appreciate it. It wouldn't be possible for us doing our radio show without it. 
Along with that, it wouldn't be possible for your web-based intention experiments in sharing our work to the masses, etc. Having said that, I also believe the information age, with all the computer digital new media age, has also made it easier for people to disconnect by faking the connection. And by faking the connection, people are copying out and avoiding the connection. We can go backwards and forwards on emails and texts that, to me, take up so much time and things could be resolved in one phone call in a minute or less. But the disconnector want, doesn't want to talk on the phone. They want to stay connected in a disconnected manner. And you see it in social media, Facebook, emails, texts, fragmentation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think this is part of this kind of breakdown of community the idea that we can only connect to people through this kind of faceless social media. On the other hand, it's here, and it can be an instrument of connection. Um, I've been using it um, with a year-long experiment I've been running in uh, an intention master class where I've set people in groups and had them do intention for each other for uh, every week for a year. And it's been an amazing connector. Now, these people have never met each other. They know each other by telephone or by, you know, one of the social media or Google Hangout or, you know, conference calls, but they've never actually met, but they are so connected now. So these kinds of, we have to realize that there's no going back with this technology, but we can use it as an instrument of connection if we use it wisely. I agree with you. And you've used it brilliantly and wisely. I do the same. However, I do see that breakdown of community and that fragmentation. So what you're saying is just really use it to connect. And this is really to really use it to connect in the most positive and profound way with all people, places and things. Yeah, and Marina, you're so right. There is a breakdown of community. I mean, we, you know, in the bond, I talked about the fastest growing neighborhood is a gated community. Oh, where yes. People are only together with people just like them. Mm. And we have somehow lost the ability to connect across the aisle to people who are not like us. I mean, witness what goes on now in Congress. There's just a total breakdown of government. It's just dysfunctional. And that's really more and more the case where people are labeled as like me or not like me. And the, the ring of people like me is getting smaller and the ring of people not like me is getting larger. So this has to do with this breakdown of small communities that used to be the way and actually still is the way human beings need to function. We need to function as a small community, as a little village. A village of, I think, about 150, as Malcolm Gladwell once said and, and showed research about. But we need to have these small communities. And so part of the thinking in the bond is to try to encourage people to act in ways that reestablish small community. It's funny you say that my husband, who I've been married to for a very long time also now, um, 20 years, so I'm just, I'm behind you yeah. by 10. Um, he always talks about vi village living. And if we go back to that village living, there wouldn't be all this competition that's out there and people actually help 
each other and they love each other and really connect that community bond where everyone gets together and helps this person accomplish this, helps this person accomplish that. And it's like we know what that other person needs, but we're not behind that fake gated community, as you said. When I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, totally get that one. So interesting. Um, You mentioned in your book that you see a non-functioning paradigm, quote, the most enduring statement we make about the human condition, the central fact of existence is our solitude, our sense of separation from the world. We regard as self-evident that we exist as self-contained, isolated beings living out of our individual dramas while everything else, other atoms, other cells, other living things and land masses, the planets, even the air we breathe, exist as something distinct and wholly separate. So this is the question. Can you tell our audience and for anyone that's listening that believes this to be their truth, what does this do to their health? their well-being, their family, their society, our planet, the universe on a micro level and on a macro level. The separation, the sense of separation. Correct. I mean, is first of all, deadly to our health. Um, in the bond, I talk about our need to, um, to connect, our need to share, and that um, uh, I, I tell the story of Howard Rourke, who is... Uh, the architect written about by Ayn Rand in The Fountainhead. Now, um, Rourke is what we would consider a classic cultural hero, an icon. He's a very independent-minded architect who wants to build buildings his own way. And he builds a building. uh, He's contracted to build some public housing. He does. His contractors change his plans. He's so incensed by this that he blows up the building. And, of course, he is brought to trial and decides to defend himself, being Howard Rourke. And this gives Ayn Rand, the author, an opportunity to put her own thinking into his mouth about very extreme individualism. And he basically says, I owe not a minute of my life to anyone else. This was my building. I built it. You changed it. I, could, I had the right to destroy it. And he, and he basically was saying that it is, you know, I, I do not live one minute of my life for anyone else. It is altruism that is killing us. And that was exactly what Ayn Rand believed. Now, in the end, he triumphs, even though he's blown up a silly uh, city block, he gets acquitted, he gets the girl in the end, and, you know, he is a great colossus and celebrated at the end of the book. But what she didn't write about is Howard Work is also a perfect candidate for a heart attack mm-hmm. because all of the evidence points to the idea that only about 50% of people who get heart attacks have all the usual risk factors like high cholesterol or high blood pressure. The other half are just lonely and self-absorbed. And we now know from so much evidence that that is a really dangerous mindset that is just fatal for your heart and for many, many other illnesses. Um, That connecting, you know, human beings... um, Oftentimes, you know, people commit suicide because they feel that they are outsiders. They don't belong. Um, And not belonging is the most unbearable condition they have. Correct. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, when I read that in your book, it's so true because you see people that have everything in their genetics is 100% healthy, but yet that emotion of separation, that loneliness is so deadly. Absolutely. I mean, it was so interesting. Um, some epidemiologists uh, were looking at the Japanese and how come they confound all expectations because they smoke like chimneys in the main, but they don't have heart disease in, until some of them move over to the U.S. when their heart disease risk uh, then moves to be equal to that of, of the rest of American society. But what the epidemiologists, epidemiolo epidemiologists noticed was that some people get heart disease of these transplants, some don't. And they couldn't figure out what it was that was different till they looked a little closer and they realized it had nothing to do with diet. Didn't matter whether the Japanese ate tofu and sushi or Big Macs and fries, absolutely nothing. The only thing that mattered, and this was the only thing that mattered, was whether or not they had recreated those close community ties they had had in the old country. And in fact, the epidemiologists were so amazed by this, they went to Japan to try to find this amazing X factor of good health. And when they got there, they talked to the Japanese and the Japanese looked at them puzzled and perplexed. You know, well, you Americans, you're so alone. You even walk down the street alone. Every, you know, you're so lonely. Anyone can see this. And so they recognize that really what is keeping these people alive, despite bad diet or American ways, go-ahead ways, is close connection. And that is the case in, in so many different areas of health. Absolutely, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. There is, you know, when you see, and I've, I've seen this in one of my clients, and I'll just quickly tell you, is that suffering of loneliness and illnesses and and disease dis that creates the disease. There was one client of mine who was so disconnected from her husband and her son. And her son was the love of her life, also the husband. She ended up having an affair on her husband because she was so lonely, like deadly lonely. Do you know that literally within about three months, she created ovarian cancer due to the guilt of wanting to be loved and then wow. having an affair outside of her marriage. The husband got worse, 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 worse. The son got worse, 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 worse. And then we had to go in and clean up her life of that loneliness, which just went all straight up the genetic lineage. So... It's devastating, and I really thank you for sharing that. There are two points in your book. Well, let me just start off with saying I love the book. So these are two points that I'm just bringing out, okay? And you did mention this. No one scientist writes the final story of all time and that science is full of relentless discoveries. That's number one. Number two is the scientific revolution. Scientists believing they could understand the whole universe by studying one component of it. To me, there's also what's also happened in the medical field, meaning the separation of knowledge and the hierarchy and the class of what kind of medical doctor you know you are and what you can and cannot do. And let's bring in the insurance revolution because you're from New York originally. So you know the medical 
insurance revolution here that dictates what kind of health care you can or cannot receive. Again, more fragmentation, more of you're just reduced to a number, that disconnect. So what do you think about that? Well, I think that is the way we are marching in our society. We're marching toward atomization, as I call it in the Mm. book, where we are moving away from everything we need. Um, in our in the book, I make a big point of showing that we need to care, share, and be fair. We need to, you know, connect and share. We need to give to other people. Uh, we need life to be fair. And we also, um, we are copycats. We need to agree with other people. Um, we need to, by that I mean, we need to feel that we're in accord. We, we copy people's emotions. They've become very infectious. Um, fairness is another really important point, as I mentioned, um, that goes deep into our bones. All of these things are necessary. Nature's designed us to connect in every way to feel as good about giving as eating or having sex. So the real cancer in our society is moving away from this, moving away from everything that's truest about ourselves. And you see that in the emotional malaise, you see it in the physical illness. And so what's required is nothing less than a creation of a different kind of paradigm in work, at home, in our communities, where it is much more share-based. Sharing and be fair. My friend says that all the time, and that is so true. It's wonderful. And, and, and it is such... Our society right now is not based on fair. And when we do have that community, we are able to share. But it's definitely not based on fairness. And you see that all the time. I have, I mean, you see it just in the court system. It's like, oh, yeah, we've got to charge this person, even though he didn't do it. We've got to find an answer. You know, we've got to just make do over here. And we've got to fix this over here. And nothing is really being listened to and distilled and getting the truth So that fairness can't even be. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think that there are so many interesting things about fairness that have been demonstrated. Um, First of all, you know, economists look at um, people's behavior um, by creating games. um, And they model these games to put people in a tight spot to see how they're going to behave. And that's how they can determine, you know, what is human behavior. So they ask the question, are people really fair? Um, so they, they decided to create a game called the ultimatum game, where um, you're given, one person is given a partner and $10. And he's allowed to share however much or little of those 10 bucks with his partner as he, as he wants. Now, he doesn't know the partner. He's never going to see the partner again. Um, And so the deal is, if he splits it, um, the partner uh, can accept what he's given him, however derisory, in which case they both keep the split as they've got it, or the partner can say no, in which case nobody gets any money. So they play this game all over the world, even with cultures where they can't play with money, they don't have money, they just play with tobacco. And guess what the most common split is? What? 50-50. Wonderful. 
you know, now we all think it's going to be 90-10 because, you know, you're going to take what you can get and the other person's going to figure, well, 10% is not better than nothing, a dollar is better than nothing. But that's not it. It's played everywhere and it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we really need other people to be fair. And another game that's gone the rounds in, um, in you know, economics is a thing called the public goods game. With this game, a group of people are there and they've all got 10 bucks. They're all handed 10 bucks. And they're told they can take a certain percentage of that, of their money, and stick it in a pot. In which point, at which, in which case, then it will, everybody will put some money in and it'll get redistributed. So everybody gets some more of that back. Now, the secret of the game is for everyone to be generous. And initially, most people are. But a few people are a bit stingy and they don't put in as much as the others. And this pisses the other people off a lot. So in subsequent rounds of the game, those people put in less. And then in the next round, they put in less. Mm. And they put in less until finally nobody's putting anything in. Because people find it unfair. They feel everybody's got to contribute to it. Everybody's got to be doing the, doing the same or doing equivalents. And, or they feel it's unfair. So that's a real model of how we feel. You know, we're, we're happy to be generous. It's in our DNA. But only if people are generous back. If they're not generous back, people get pissed off. Mm. Yes, yes. I just, I want to um, say this. And I'm going I'm to give you a little warning because it's a little long minute, just, so just bear with me. Our souls can be programmed for anything and everything, 100% of the time, by our thoughts, our biological family, friendships, TV shows, commercials, movies, billboards. People are being downloaded 24-7 by their countries, group consciousness of the planet, the universe. What I took away from your book, and I'm going to put this in my words, and you just tell me if this is where you were going, okay? What I take away from the book is that you are asking people to use what I call soft power, which to me is a feminine power. Breaking it down further, it means the power of love, meaning win-win, which also means sharing and helping, which we just talked about. And if you win, I also win, versus hard power, which to me means masculine power, greed, Win no matter how, cheat if you must, selfishness, competition, dog eat dog, and then there's nothing left to share. Win it takes all with devastating results. Do you feel that our DNA in the past and still now, it has actually been hardwired, um, not hardwired, but it's been wired for hard power? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Everything has been powered like that. From the time we're little, we're encouraged to be competitive, just as my daughter was that example of mm-hmm. her school. And, you know, from the time we're tiny, we are taught to be self-willed, uh, to look at the comings and goings of individuals. It's even in our the books we read. Um, we read... Um, Uh, books like Fun with Dick and Jane, where we're looking at the comings and goings of individuals, you know, see Dick run. Um, So we're focusing always on individuals and we're always focusing on competition, whether it's comparing grades at school, um, having exams, and it's becoming worse and worse and worse. And of course, it's like this still in 
most companies, very dog-eat-dog environment. Um, And yeah, that is the hard power, as you call it. I like those terms so much, Brina. Um, And what I'm really talking about is realizing the real power of sharing Mm -hmm. and what happens to other people when you do. When you change that culture and you create a share culture, people are generous. And a perfect example of this is um, Nippon Mehta. Um, Mehta, who's just been asked to work on a committee with Barack Obama, um, was a Silicon Valley Turk who was on 100,000 plus a year when he first graduated from college, working in, you know, working in programming. His future was secured. And all of a sudden, after a while, it started upsetting him, watching his friends and realizing the only thing they were talking about, all of them, was who's got the newest Mercedes, who's got the best stock options. So he decided to try to change this and to try to do an experiment in generosity in one of the most selfish places in America, Uh, a place with the highest per capita income, one of the highest, one of the lowest levels of charitable giving. So he created a restaurant called Karma Kitchen, where when you go in, you don't pay for your own bill. You pay for the next person's bill. So you just pay whatever sum you like. And it's such a shocking place. You go in and there's no cost. You just put in what you like for the next person. And guess what happens? That Those restaurants are more profitable than they would be if they charged for what the people are eating. Mm-hmm. And he's done it another way, too. He decided to just ask his mom to open up her door to 50 strangers every week. So he invites them in for Wednesdays. Anybody who wants to come, for the first 50 people can come. Rich, poor, ex-cons, millionaires, they all rub elbows together. They meditate together. They have a conversation where they pass around the mic. Everybody gets a shot at it. And then mom cooks for the whole lot. And this has been going on for 20-something years. And in all of this time, not a teaspoon has been stolen. And and as I say, there are plenty of ex-cons who come, plenty of homeless. Um, and the only fight is who gets to do the dishes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, now he's tweaking, he's been tweaking this and putting up bookshelves and leaving signs saying, you know, filled with inspirational books saying, take whichever ones you want. And what happens is there are more books there than when he started because people bring books to to leave there. So you see what happens when generosity is the currency, the game starts changing. Yes, I read that in your book, and it was so inspirational and how he was inspired to do that when he was so nauseous when he went back to India and he was ready. He asked his friend to pull over. I'm sick. And then this person came out at the most opportune time and gave him half a lemon to stop him feeling nauseous. And that was the thing that triggered him bringing it back to the U.S., bringing it back to Silicon Valley and changing that generosity factor. So it's wonderful. It's a lovely, I loved that, that you wrote in your book. And also when we use that soft power of that power of love, the power of sharing, the power of giving, it instills so much that we do get so much more back from, from the whole universe the because we everything is interconnected 
you get it from everywhere. Like people are always saying to me, Marina, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? Why do you give so much? Why this? Why that? I go, but that's who I am. <laughs> and why can't I be like that? You know, I because like it gives to you pleasure, Marina. It, it gives, gives you, makes you feel good as it does all of us when we give. That's yes. the big secret, isn't it? Yes. And guess what else? It helps the other person because I can, and like you, we can walk into a room and just light it up with our energy and then boom, everyone's feeling great. Yes. And it's, you know, what's so interesting, people don't really get this. Um, There was a really interesting study. It's not in my book, but I just read it um, with, um, they compared people who had very successful lives of pleasure. And they looked at, you know, and they were people we would say, these guys live the good life. You know, they make a lot of money. They go on all their nice holidays and vacations, etc. And they looked at their immune system inflammation markers and they saw they were hugely up. Then they looked at a bunch of people who are not so successful, not making in as much money, not having as many vacations, but who were living a life of purpose and meaning. Mm. And they had very low levels of inflammation. They had something bigger and better. They were living a life for others and for a a life of meaning. And I think this is what we have to get back to is recognizing that what we've been chasing for so long, you know, more money, um, you know, individualism, drastic individualism, everything for me, you know, the me decade, all of that, even self-help is got it all backward. You know, what we have to be is others, other help, because, you know, more and more evidence is demonstrating that altruism comes back and gives the giver twice and not just in a warm glow, but actually is healthful to the giver, actually makes the, the giver feel good. Mm-hmm. I had Dr. Beard on the show last week who wrote the book, The Happiness Genes, and he's so altruistic. And um, it is just incredible how giving, sharing, I mean, I say to my clients, I'm always, you know, I'm meant to do an hour session. I never do an hour session. I'm always giving at least two, (laughs) two and a half, because I want them to get better and they kind of just sort of scratch their heads. And it's like, that's Mm -hmm. my gift to you. Just accept it. Accept it. And we want those results. And people are quite shocked by it when we give from the heart. And what I find, and tell me if this happens to you, when there's people that that are unable to handle that heart-centeredness, do you feel they get plucked out of your life immediately? Um, you mean, do they just kind of fade away? Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a natural fading away of them not getting that and us not connecting. Or, there's, um, or there is um, uh, a change in some way where they get that there's no hidden agenda here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really, we're just giving this out there and there's no, not looking for anything back. Um, that's a hard one for people because we've been so imbued with it, so imbued with it. We don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. But, you know, listen, it's, 
The other thing, though, about this, there was a wonderful study from Harvard looking at the fact that when we're happy, we're more likely to have happy friends, not because we self-select happy people to be with, but because the natural spread of happiness along a social network. Emotions are infectious, but they've also found that giving and altruistic behavior is also infectious. So if they've done a study showing that, you know, if Jane is nice to Peter, Peter is more likely to be nice to Paul. Paul is more likely to be nice to Sam. And Sam is more likely to be nice to Alice. One act of kindness goes, as they call it, four degrees down a social network to four people. So four more people. So imagine if that all happens and each of them do this, you've created this stampede of goodwill with one little generous gesture. Mm -hmm. And people are doing it. It's like in my environment and in my field, in my, when I say the field, we're talking about the field like the bond. In my field, it is definitely happening. And the people that are unable to hang with that generosity, that sharing and that fairness, they are unable. They either change or they go to someone where they vibrate at the same level. Yes. And they just cluster over there in their little negativity pit until they're ready and they've upgraded themselves somehow to come back. And it's beautiful to watch when they do come back and you're with open arms. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And they're like, it is a hard, it's a big paradigm shift for a lot of people, Marina. You know, know, it's just they want to know, well, what's in it for you? You know, why are you doing this? And there's, you know, we've been bred to feel suspicious about these things. And I understand that. And our time is coming, it's running out. And I really appreciate what you wrote in the book as we collaborate in our relationships with others. It comes back to us in the most positive and profound way. And for me personally, I know when it's not about we and it's about me. And I want you to share to our listeners how important it is to get out of the me, to give to be in the we and ways that they can discern that for themselves. Okay, well I'll tell them one thing. I have lots of exercises in the in book, the book mm-hmm. to show people in the paperback um, to show people how to change the way they relate to people, how to change the way they work in a group, what happens if they disagree with someone, how to see the bigger picture. But one thing that I have in there that's quite interesting that sums it all up is there was a study of sports people, and they were looking at what are the most effective affirmations to help them do well on the sport, on, on you know, in their sport. And they found that when the... Uh, the people, when the individual team players had we affirmations, we are all going to do better, we are going to win, Uh, each of the individual players did better than when they had an affirmation for I. I am going to do well. So just thinking we made I do better. So that should be one sort of indication that we were always meant to operate in a small group. And that there is an enormous power, there is enormous feedback, there's an enormous payback in doing so. 
Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Lynn, I want to thank you for coming on the Quantum Connection radio show. You're such an incredible, wonderful gift to me and the universe and all of the people. And I love your heart and soul and the depth of care that you have for all of humanity. Thank you for writing all your magnificent books. It was a pleasure and an honor having you on the show. And I'm so grateful to have this slice of life with you. And I'm really thrilled to have our show documented in our treasured archives for all of our future listeners. And please go out, everyone, and buy The Bond. It is amazing. Thank you Thank so you. much, Marina. And I'll just let everybody know it's lynnmctaggart.com is our website. It's been such a joy spending time with you. Thank you for all your wonderful, intelligent questions. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. And happy anniversary. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Our world is shrinking. We get information across the planet as fast and as easily as across the street. Lately, it seems as if none of it is good. The world has become so addicted to negativity, fear, drama, and our kids are learning fast. Are you worried about your teen? Do you know where they are, who they're with, and what they're really up to? Power of Peace Radio tackles real issues that are changing the minds of the next generation. Get involved in the conversation on Monday evenings with Kit Cummings. Pop Radio is about interrupting and redirecting those who are on a dangerous course and bringing light into dark places with powerful topics and real stories. We bring hope to those who need it most. Because hope is the new dope. Power of Peace Radio, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Do you feel alone even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit with Marina Rose QDNA. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at marinarosequdna.com. Now, back to Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Quantum Connection Radio Show, where we explore health, science, and spirit to accelerate your path to extraordinary living. The telephone lines are open for you to call. I will answer your calls. I will answer your questions. You will see the number on your screen, toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. Call because I'll answer your calls and email me at info at marinarosequdna.com. So I hope you enjoyed Lynn McTaggart today. Um, I just want to let you know QDNA, Quantum DNA Acceleration, is based on the four beautiful pillars of health, DNA Programming, neuroplasticity, epigenetics, and quantum field theory. And this is the way to change your DNA and instantly change your life. It is the way to unlock your emotional creative intelligence. It is the way to take control and recreate your genetic destiny because you are not hijacked by your genetic destiny. QDNA is about retraining and reprogramming your brain for success in all areas of your life with win-win solutions. And that's what Lynn and I were talking about, which was the heartfelt win-win soft power solutions. QDNA is the way to fast track your life to success now in all areas of your life. Again, with soft power and win-win solutions. QDNA is an ancient Vedic science meets quantum, modern, sorry, QDNA is an ancient Vedic science and it meets a modern quantum science to balance, heal, and transform. We are connected to everything Everyone, everywhere, 24-7. We are part of the universe and there is no separation between you and the environment. Between you, the universe, the environment, everyone and everything. This is an old Buddhist concept and again, Lynn and I spoke about it at length. It's quantum physics. Quantum physics is And QDNA is about creating a lifestyle in all areas of your life that is under the one umbrella of quantum living in the quantum realm where we utilize the intracellular holographic matrix, what science calls the field. This is where we decode, reconstruct, reorganize, recode the mind and body for limitless manifestations and healings. And one way we do that is with DNA reprogramming, which is one of the four pillars of QDNA. It is about creating value in your life so you can assist other people's creating value in their lives and create win-win solutions in your life and everyone's life. And just a quick note, I do want to let you know that I am consistently in constant awe of each and every person that is taking the initiative of this massive tidal wave of heart-centered research with the scientists, researchers, journalists, making such a difference in people's lives. And I'm in awe of people, everyday people that are going out of their way to create value in their lives and create values in other people's lives. Remember, it begins with us. It doesn't begin outside of us. If you're waiting for someone to start it, you've missed the train. Get back on the train and start with you. 
It's you that has to be the change that you want to see in the world. Once you've created that change, then other people will allow you to see the mirror of their lives as they reflect that back to you. As Greg Braden said, when we form a heart-centered beliefs within our bodies, in the language of physics, we're creating the electrical magnetic expression of them as waves of energy, which are not confined to our hearts or limited by physical barrier of our skin and bones. So clearly we're speaking to the world around us in each moment of every day through a language that has no words, the belief waves of our hearts. What is speaking? And as you heard, Lynn McTaggart, we can design and create a life that is heart centered, where you can be the change that you want to see in our world. And QD and every programming is here to assist you with that. And I believe all you need to do is to get out of your own way and get into your heart, feel that love, which will automatically make you take interest in another person and allow you to stop being so self-centered and have the heartfelt connection with them organically because it has to be organic for you to really want to be that change. But practice makes perfect. So if you can't make it organically, just remember, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Be, do, be, do, as Dr. Um, Amit Goswami says, quantum physics is paving the way. Would you like to know what it's like to have your cells filled with, with heartfelt love in every cell of your body with unconditional love so you can connect with people and be the change that you want to be? Still have autonomy so you can have 100% health, joy and happiness and create beautiful win-win solutions in all areas of your life. And if you do, just say yes and I'll download it into you just like a little computer program. And here we go. Beautiful. And I hope you felt that. So welcome to the quantum world of qDNA, quantum DNA acceleration. We are ushering the new renaissance and regeneration in growing practice of mind, body, and holistic lifestyles. It's a paradigm shift in the health and medicine, no different one, one that shook the world of physics so many years ago. This is where we reprogram you to remove all the conflicts that may hinder your health, wealth, and happiness, and success. We have an outstanding success with DNA reprogramming. And as Einstein, as Einstein did 200 years ago after Newton produced the, e, the famous equation E equals MC squared, demonstrating that energy and matter are so fundamentally related that they are one and the same. Einstein didn't just rock the boat, he rocked the universe. Essentially, his work showed that matter and energy completely interchangeable. Einstein gave birth to quantum physics. And Ling McTaggart said, a thought is not only a thought, it's a thing. A thought is a thing that influences other things. And as of today, our next show will have another wonderful, influential thought leader, and our show will be 
40 minutes, then we'll break and then we'll go back with our same guest. Thank you for listening to our wonderful show, Quantum Connection, and I will see you next week or I will hear you and feel you and give you lots of love. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit with Marina Rose QDNA. Please join us again for another edition of the program next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your DNA, instantly change your life.